0: We, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse, the Fifth column, column,
1: column, column. Greetings and welcome back to another installment of the Fifth Column podcast. This is your uh, almost weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and ourselves. Uh, a few brief, brief words of warning. Weekly.
2: It's weekly, you know almost, what? It's almost weekly. Andrew Keaton has he's called his thing almost weekly.
1: Yeah, I don't know when it started. It's weekly. Is yeah. he? Is he? Is he like uh, forty-three episodes in or I, whatever? We no, heard? he's
2: not. Okay, and and you know he's in our he's in our so, so then we he's in our friend group. I've just I, been saying it. First. I want to think that he's like just biting your rhyme. I don't know if he is.
1: But I, but I don't want to, you know, you're just screwing up the whole rap. Like there is an intro. I try to do this in an organized fashion so that oh, yeah, we gosh. do it and we're not.
2: He's treating me like I'm just like some bombs. guy <laughs> over the corner.
1: I think this is episode 43. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this is the 26th of January, uh, 2017. Uh, yeah. I'm also confident I'm, that I'm Camille Foster. There may be strong language. There will certainly be uh, insightful commentary and there will be friendly, friendly banter. Um, and, uh, we are nearly one week, uh, into the administration of Donald Trump, first of his name, the 45th president of these United States. Uh, and in order to try to determine where the state of our union is, uh, I am, I am delighted to be joined by two distinguished gentlemen of, of great renown. One repute. Yes. That also. Uh, one, Matt Welch, who is the editor-at-large Reason Magazine, and uh, another guy by the name of Michael Moynihan of Vice News. Gentlemen,
0: how the hell are you? How's it going? Excellent.
2: How's it going? No, was, I was vaping. Like, vaping? Over yeah, I was the vaping.
0: Corner. Sorry. Yeah. Matt. Matt sounds weird because he has... Uh, HPV or something, it's <laughs> it a is head cold, it's a head cold. Yeah, you sound like one of those guys that had colds in the old 70s cold commercials. Like, I, like, I can't even believe <laughs> it, you know. Uh, and yes, Vic's and I'm vapor
2: rebel, to yeah, the track. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm vaping Geritol.
0: with my new Jewel. Uh, this week. actually don't have a sponsor for Jewel, but they should be a sponsor, J U U L, which is like the kind of uh, uh, the iPhone of uh, of uh, vapes. The system, and third, I haven't, have
2: or like second gen,
0: I think it's a couple gens in, I don't know, but I haven't smoked a cigarette uh, since um, uh, Saturday.
2: So, yeah, and I can tell you, relax, because you're rubbing your leg as you. I haven't s- smoked a cigarette. I mean, that's says, not scratching. my leg, but thank you. <laughs> it
0: goes down my leg. But <laughs> <laughs> at this point in your in your
2: old and yeah. shitty life, don't you? You don't smoke that much. Hey, hey, can I say something? I
0: yeah. I, I wrote a story for the Wall Street Journal this weekend about smoking, and I got an email after from someone, a mutual friend of all of ours. Saying, hey, great piece. Uh, I, uh, I dis- I woke up, uh, six weeks ago and decided, and eh, I don't want to do this anymore. And I quit smoking. And I was like, what? Are you serious? That was Kurt Loder, our friend Kurt Loder. Are you <gasps> MTV's Kurt Loder has quit smoking. Huh. And he said, and, and he said, I got a couple of packs of Marlboro Lights lying around here if you want them. <laughs> <laughs> cause, you know, Kurt used to buy them, uh, on uh, the internet. And I uh, get them from, like, Slovenia or something, these, like, bootleg uh, marble lights, and smoke one after another. And the thing about Kurt, Kurt's, like, 70 now. Isn't, isn't that a you crime? You know that Kurt's 70? Kurt or maybe even Kurt, 71.
2: Kurt, for everything that should have happened, I love Kurt great. so much, yeah.
0: Is, isn't that a crime? Like what mail order? I mean, uh, cigarettes I, in New York City. Yeah, Kurt seventy one. Uh, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I didn't Great. mean to to implicate Kurt, we will, but uh, we on will the to, on uh... the basis of my testimony only, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna bring yeah, him no, in. I'm gonna get. But I'm sh- going get that beat out. We'll, but we'll just beep that out. just
2: to like to get this out there. Yeah. So like your current habit before you went to vaping. Yeah. It, it tapered down. It tapered down. It depends. I mean, if
0: I'm out working. Um, I'm smoking a lot. Yeah, uh, because and you work, let's say, five days a week. Like, are you kidding me? I'm working. I'm working um, beetle style, man. I'm working eight days a week, and I am, uh, <laughs> and I am, and when I'm doing it, the thing about shooting stories for like TV stuff is that the most of the stuff that you, most of the time, you're just waiting. Your entire life is waiting. If you're doing a sit-down interview, it takes an hour plus to set up. You're waiting for people to show up. You're waiting. You're driving in between locations, and so the only thing you do is wait. So all you do is smoke. Mm-hmm. Well, I, all I do is smoke. Uh, it's better that I can't drink when I'm when I'm uh, yeah, this shooting. This is strange.
1: You, you but, say you say you work. Ah, I work every day. It's like eight eight days. A yeah, week. yeah. Uh, but
0: I don't do any work. No, so I'm mostly just no. I'm. Out. I mean, of the eight days, yeah. seven point five of those are waiting and flying and doing all sorts of uh, Reading articles think, on your phone exactly this, this is what you have yeah. to, do to, to get to, to the get the brilliance but, but yeah. this is
2: this is the whole thing about hollywood it always has been that's why he has this nickname which is very mm. important yeah. is that in hollywood yeah. if you are the money maker yeah. there yeah yeah, yeah. You're you're like the money maker you're not doing i mean unless you're sylvester sloan you're not really doing a whole lot in yeah. between takes he doesn't do his own stunts is what you're saying I, i'm saying that
0: yeah, yeah. Something like uh, or, that. Or, uh, you know, or unless you're Mel Gibson, when in between uh, hating on uh, Jewish people, you're directing films and you're right. doing a, you know, he's a hardworking man, uh, despite it, the uh, Jewish media conspiracy. Is him. it Sylvester Stallone? Or <laughs> uh, but it was sarcastic, just so you know. That's
1: okay. That's yeah. okay. So we, that. we knew. Yeah. Is it
0: Sylvester Stallone or
1: Arnold Schwarzenegger who was- um,
2: Sylvester Stallone. It, yeah, okay. So you, you me, I, I,
0: I want to, by the way, find this audio <laughs> and play it- um, <laughs> Play it uh, uh, just like on my computer. I'll play it so the mics pick it up. Well, they don't know what we're talking about. <sighs> no, 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 they don't. But uh, <laughs> but this I uh, was uh, a clip that I pulled of Bernie Sanders saying, I went, "Don't look at me, look at it." No, <laughs> what? What? Oh, the
2: what? Going, work the shaft. We are having a very
0: different conversation. I'm just, I'm just talking. Uh, I'm talking about. I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, okay, good. Yeah, good, I don't,
2: good. what does anybody else know what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, Dave Lee. Dave does, Kennedy does, James Polis does. Well,
0: none of those people are on the show, so what the fuck are you talking about?
2: There's some famous, uh, oops, they they left the mics on moment in Hollywood history on trailers. One of them involves Sylvester Stallone, and it's hilarious. It's great. I don't know how much of it is true. I assume probably 200 percent of it is true
0: I think that's a good that's a safe assumption yeah is it is it if I just need to do this because I'm gonna play this and, oh no. uh, oh no. and I don't care this is this is Bernie Sanders It's eight <laughs> seconds long or something no. Bernie Sanders in the 1980s be it's, it's, you know, trust me this I is don't is know a, how I the feel payoff about this. is amazing what he has said is that we in the United States are strong
2: and powerful and we can destroy you anytime we want and all you have to do is get down on your hands and knees, or we will send in Rambo and Sylvester Stallone.
0: Uh, we'll send in Rambo or Sylvester Stallone. That was uh, Bernie Sanders uh, talking about American foreign policy. Man of the people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Maybe Sylvester he was right. Sylvester Stallone. If is, we just, yeah. let's all we But can it's do. the best thing about it is he says, Sylvester Stallone.
1: The real, the real question is, is yeah. that worse than what is Aleppo? And my uh, answer is
0: emphatically yes well by the way, that was uh, in
2: 1985
0: or so, <laughs> so uh, stillone was you know I guess he was pretty doing pretty big box office
2: and at yet the time. Bernie still sounded like he was a hundred three years old. Uh, Yes. He sounds like the local
0: fishmonger (laughs) fishmongers in Burlington. Vermont.
2: (laughs) Anyway, let's get to the show. Yeah, we'll we'll get
0: to
1: the show. I mean, look, we did have a very active, active week. Uh, Mm. I guess there were any number of executive things happening, uh, inside of the Trump white house. Uh, Perhaps we should begin. I don't know if we should do this in chronological order. It's been such an insane week. Uh, we had much. all of the crazy media panics um, and the outrageous controversies that took place as a consequence of the and inauguration. By
0: the way, some of those panics were justified. <laughs> just some of them continue. were. Yeah. Some of them were. Yeah.
1: And some of them were not. That's some of them true. Were also true. Manufactured. Also true. Um, uh, or just completely sloppy uh, from a journalistic standpoint. <laughs> so we will. Uh, we will get to all of those things. Uh, perhaps we start with the inauguration, which I know uh, we all. We all kind of sort of watched. I, I tried to avoid as much of it as possible. Uh I had talked to Matt Welch on Sirius uh the morning of the inauguration. Yeah, uh and Matt of course forced me to talk about race stuff. Um but I, I did watch the speech. I I wondered did you gentlemen find it uh completely completely awful? Uh deplorable, frightening? Oh, it was fine. It's just fine.
0: Or, I it was, or I it was, were you inspired? I was there. Yeah. um, um with a Republican congressman, uh, Adam Kinsinger, uh, from Illinois, a very nice guy. He's, he's, uh, was a never Trumper, uh, and was putting on his bravest face. And she's like, you know what, you know, I like these cabinet, uh, picks. And, you know, his, he was doing that sort of smile that looked like, um, there was a member of Al Qaeda <laughs> pushing a <laughs> AR 15 into his back. Um, and or ak-47 i should say uh but you know i mean it look it was a dark speech as everyone everyone said as a dark speech it was a dark speech it was a dark speech there were some dark moments for sure uh yeah.
1: was it very american, different american cities wash in crime and violence yeah and yeah i mean America. that's the that shutting down car- i mean every, carnage. i mean
0: it was uh everything about this administration so far from that um speech on shows you that the breitbart Influence is not going away. This is a Breitbart presidency. And Steve uh, Bannon Bannon wrote that speech. Steve Bannon wrote it with Stephen Miller, who used to work for Michelle Bachman. And worked for a few other people in between and, you know, had basically was in his early 30s, uh, first thing that he ever wrote actually was a letter to David Horowitz um, about how left wing his high school was in Santa Monica uh, or San Diego or something around there. He was a Southern California guy um, and Horowitz published it and then came to his school and then he went to Duke and he's basically the classic kind of Breitbart writer, and they've uh, hired people like Julia Hahn, the one who accused uh, Paul Ryan's uh, school. Do you remember this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not even worth getting into, but it's uh, yeah that's some some pretty good fake news for, for a phrase that doesn't mean anything anymore. But um, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of it would have been out of place if Bernie Sanders said it, uh, that inauguration speech. But we have been treated to this Absurd and embarrassing spectacle of trying to, uh, measure people's dicks and say, you know, I had more people at my inauguration than you, which is, is, uh, you know, beneath the office, which everything is, uh, uh, always has been an office of idiocy and, and, um, sometimes as Camille argues often, it's like, well, you know, Barack Obama was slick, but he was just as bad, if not worse. Right. But I think that, that depends on the the day, depends on the day, depends on the issue. But for, you know, to have five days so far of these utter nincompoops in the, White House trying to prove that that no there were x number of people at um, our um, inauguration and my my evidence that they are wrong was actually being there, and there's no manipulated photographs i two photographers that were shooting uh, elements of this for us, one of whom was a Chilean guy uh, uh, who's great and definitely not. Left from my conversations with him, came back um, after a day of just shooting crowd stuff, and he came back. It was five o'clock or something, and I said, "How how'd it go?" And he said, "It was fine. It was easy. There was no one there." And I was like, "What do you mean? There's no one there?" Because I didn't get back to the to the bleachers when the when the uh, sort of parade route was coming by, and those that video is it looks like you know, a fucking Expos game in the, you know, like 1991, there's nobody there. It's, you know, it's really, really sparsely attended. And it's like, you got to kind of suck it up and just move on and say, yeah. what there weren't a lot of people that were there. That's, I that's was, just a simple fact.
2: I've been uh, meditating on the similarities, which have been underplayed, if anything, with the uh, gubernatorial tenure of Arnold Schwarzenegger in California between 2003 and 2010. Schwarzenegger... The most hilarious thing Maybe in the entire uh, Presidential campaign this year Was that when the uh, Pussy grab uh, tape came out Arnold Schwarzenegger Unendorsed uh, uh, Donald Trump because of a late-breaking groping allegation. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Like, that he, tweet was sent out by his maid, by the way, <laughs> who he was at the same time having sex with.
2: I went back and looked at that recently. I mean... She's not his maid anymore. Not to go full no, Camille... No, she's the mother of his child <laughs> that's now. right. Not to go full Camille on the story. I think Uh-oh. Trump is awful, but like like he said, the point of his story was that like I'm such a star yeah. that I can grab someone in the pussy and they'll be fine with it. With it. Yeah. it wasn't that I'm such a star that I'll grab them in the pussy and they'll you know uh, be unfine with it and it doesn't matter right. Yeah. Not that that's a big difference unless you're thinking about Arnold Schwarzenegger's response to it. <laughs> yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger five days before he went uh, for the recall election in uh, 2003, the LA Times came out with this report which conservatives slammed them for to this day um, because it was too close to the election. Um, They had six people on the record saying he groped me and humiliated me against my will Yeah. um, in which we've never heard anything from Donald Trump. So I'm just setting that up as a background. I mean, he wasn't kindergarten cop. He wasn't. I mean, that that gives you
0: license right there.
2: And there's pictures on the Internet. uh, And I don't encourage anyone to go Google image search Arnold Schwarzenegger and pussy grab. Because that's just oh wrong. My gosh, uh, but uh, so like, but the Schwarzenegger thing that's very interesting is that he came into office in 2003, quoting Milton Friedman. He was talking about blowing up the boxes in Sacramento. Well, yeah, he, he was in those uh, the free to choose. He was in the Here's second the,
0: the second iteration of the free to choose docs. He yeah. gives uh, like a speech at the beginning uh, of them. Yeah,
2: and he's someone, and I've probably mentioned this in the show before. He's someone who I've met uh, personally. Uh, uh, When I was at the L.A. Times of all politicians that I've met in any circumstances, he probably still to this day rises to the level as the one who is the smartest, like his his active, interesting, engaged intelligence. Jerry Brown actually is is a contender. He's crazy yeah. in a different way, but like Arnold was very playful and but super smart and like driven and you get it. And so Schwarzenegger comes from a place. I mean, he conquered Hollywood with this thick as a bodybuilder with a thick Austrian accent. Which you know, his, in which his first movie the
0: all of the dialogue was later dubbed. Right. because uh, he couldn't do it and then he he managed to do it
2: later. And yeah. dominates it. Yeah. Hercules um, of New York, by the way. Great film. And part of it is that <laughs> it's true and this is it's not true that it's a great film it's true that it's a film Camille's thinking like where's this gonna like gonna
1: land I, I didn't want to say it i know yeah. i know i'm I I feeling like it. it
2: yeah schwarzenegger always built his popularity and his rise through his own two industries by connecting with fan bases on the outside of the decision maker matrix
1: i thought you were going to say something about steroids but that that Right. Okay.
2: And so what happens then? What happens when when your power base is based on public affection outside of the normal avenues? And that is also true of uh, Trump. Trump's a Queens guy. Right. He like dominated Manhattan. His dad didn't have the nerve to do it. He came in. He wanted to do Manhattan. He wanted to go into high society and all these kind of things. He, He like nutted up and did it. Um, He did this partially by cultivating a tabloid base, a fan base. He's this guy. And he actually has a really great sense of both of work ethic and and trying to find these connections. And it worked. I mean, he's the president. It's crazy. He's the president. (coughs) Pardon me for coughing. It's okay. So what happened with... When Schwartz, when Schwarzenegger became the governor of California, he kept talking about like, you know, I'm I'm with the people, the people. He kept talking about his connection with the people. That worked until the people turned on him. And when the people turned on Arnold Schwarzenegger, it took him two years to do it. He turned and ran, screaming. For the exits in a way that is really interesting. Um, you know, the California Nurses Association dogged him at every single step that he was at publicly for more than a year and just protested him. It bummed him out, made him feel bad. Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, not Arnold Schwarzenegger, Donald Trump, the president of the United States, weirdly enough. How many things has he said in five days that have to do with his own insecurity about his own popular approval? Everything. Everything that yeah. no, most, most he said. No, everything he It's crowdside. The David
0: Muir that. interview last night uh, was uh, about his popularity, about there, how much
2: people like him. But there it's has ratings and it's all the stuff. That's that is what is driving him. That, that the, the,
1: happens in some context. But there's been a, I mean, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of activity as well. I
2: mean, there's, no, there's but plenty I, of
1: of substance to talk about at this stage. too. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. And that substance is. I mean, is yeah, yeah important yeah, we're going to spend the of, rest you know. of the show talking about that substance. <laughs> I mean, none of that, by the way, is an
0: interaction of Congress. I mean, this is this is the executive five days. I this mean, this is, true. is five days of executive yeah. power. Donald Trump um, doesn't have an ideological core. People hope that he does and people hope that they can shape that ideological core and kind of create one. They don't appear to be doing that in any way. This is the Bannon presidency. This is the Breitbart presidency. And essentially what Donald Trump has done since he's gotten into office he said, well, I understand sort of broadly what the executive can do with the stroke of a pen. So let's do that. Well, well, does he understand that really. he's, he's
1: kind of willing to try just he's, about anything yeah,
0: and see if he gets this, this should be so far so far the most terrifying first five days for conservatives, and I'm saying this for conservatives, not even sure. libertarians, in recent memory. I can't remember a first five days that is more terrifying than this. Yeah. And it's not even because of what he is doing. It's how he is doing it. And, and, and when you see him, the, the thing about Donald Trump is that he's not particularly bright. And it's not that he has great instincts, but he's just not really a political guy. And he's going to get that through experience. And he's going to be surrounded by the best people, as he told us. He's surrounded by halfwits. He's surrounded by people who don't really have the heart to defend him, don't really do it with much vigor because you can't. I mean, to look at Sean Spicer, he looks he looks like John Cantile, the guy who has been you know kidnapped by ISIS and makes those propaganda videos for them now. I mean, it's essentially what he is at this point. If he believes it, shame on him. If he doesn't, which it doesn't appear that he's doing because he's said a few things, you know, blinking in Morse code uh-huh. when he said, you know, I am saying what the president wants me to say when it comes to crowd size. And I cannot believe that uh, th- that this country has elected a man whose dictats in the first five days, including one that we get from The Washington Post today, that the head of the National Park Service on Saturday was called and they said, you know, the president is on the line, the acting director of the national, and said, we need you to find photographs that prove my point about how big the crowd size was. What kind of banana republic are we turning into if this is what he's doing in his first day? this is the issue, actually. It's embarrassing. embarrassing. But But this is
1: is the issue. I mean, I'm a little little concerned about the amount of sort of bandwidth that's been expended chasing down um, some of these stories and certainly the precedent that was set um. After this, this pretty outrageous first press conference where Spicer yeah. shows up and he's he's talking about the crowd side. He's berating, it's not, it's he's not berating a press the press, conference. and then st- storming no. out of the room. You're right, yeah. right? Sure. He's just he gives the speech and then leaves. Um. By mon- done this is this is what this is Saturday. Italians. This yeah. is Saturday when this happens. By Monday, we've had this this another event. At the C, no, no, it was Saturday when he went to the CIA Saturday. to sort of give the speech. Um, and a lot of the coverage of that speech was was about how like weird it was to have Trump in front of the Wall of Stars, pretty much giving this stream of consciousness speech where he talks about himself and how great he is and how well he's performing. Um, but there are also some important things that he said there, important in the sense that they were damn right, downright insane. Um, he repeated uh, his his suggestion that what we ought to have done when we were in the Middle East was take the oil. Just take the oil um, and then suggested casually that you might get another chance. I'm sorry. like When it comes to Monday and the principal conversation that is happening during this press conference is whether or not they lied, whether or not they used alternative facts. And you actually have like an extended discourse between members of the, the White House press corps. And the, the 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 spokesperson for the president of the United States and the central issue here isn't something like that. Like something is very wrong and out of whack here. And, and I'm wondering, you know, what we will actually see happen. In fact, I'm not wondering. I'm pretty sure it is happening already because we've actually seen freakouts like this. The uh, USDA, uh, the USDA flap that happened earlier this week, where on Monday there was some sort of release, an internal email that was sent out that said, hey, no public statements about anything until they like come through my de- my office it was it was just this very brief report and a number of stories popped up I, I i should actually google search it and find out how many with these incredibly inflammatory headlines trump administration puts a puts the kibosh on uh on uh usda no one can talk about things that they've embargoed communications it turns out that that's not what happened at all uh and i i am concerned that the the panic in the media um, with respect to pretty much anything that this administration does um, and the 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 regularity with which people go for low hanging fruit rather than dealing with, say, complicated things that are quite scary and really, really important, like whether or not it is at all constitutional for you to, let's say, uh, sign an executive order that's that gives the White House the ability to create new conditions under which they will decide whether or not to give out funds. They can essentially just write new law uh, in that way. Um, like, this is a huge deal. Like, these are important things. And the conversation about the crowd side is a, is a lot less urgent. And I don't know that the conversation about the crowd size is actually an indication of us moving into this new Orwellian universe um, and sales of 1984. I don't know.
2: It's, no, it's,
0: not, it's not an Orwellian but, but, but that
2: universe. Was no. the,
1: but that was the suggestion but it was in, only, the, in the immediate in, aftermath. In fairness, Camille, I mean, there's something on, Orwellian on, the,
2: on the Monday press conference, the follow-up yeah. press conference, that took three questions. And there are plenty of other questions about other things. Yeah. And, and we will not lack for Uh, things to point at and laugh and mock about people freaking out. I mean, my God, how many like Twitter accounts for some sub national park out there Uh have become, you know, if if they can't tweet out something about uh, climate change or about uh, refugees coming in, then we've lost all freedom of speech. I mean, there's been an an absolute lack of I mean, no one's even thinking to themselves like. Huh? How did it work eight years ago right. when we changed teams? Then right. what, what were the guidelines then? There's none of that there, and we see it every day. And I agree with you. We're seeing amongst amongst
1: journalists, <laughs> amongst regular amongst for sure regular citizens. We see it. The it's turnover. In the
2: State Department
1: has people. The turnover. The state, in Josh lunch.
2: Rogan uh, wrote a piece that was, I think, uh, pretty uh, heavy breathing at the Washington Post. I think it was published today. On we're on the 26th on the Thursday. Um, like my God, we've never seen so many State Department people resign on mass. No, at once, true. And then you get a bunch of other people who've been actually covering, you know, the State Department for a long time saying, you know what, there's turnover. It's kind of like the, the, uh, yeah, and, and, story and, and by
0: the like way, that. it was, it was six or seven people, all of whom were a, Obama appointees that came in. And, and at least
2: one of the them vision. was named Kennedy. So like yeah. jump <laughs> yeah. off the bridge already. Yeah, I mean, look, so that's there, but I just want to say that like when The first act of the presidency is to have a shouting, you know, sweaty, badly dressed 1993 Eastern European autocrat screaming at you for not uh, loving the uh, autocrats own uh, numbers that there's a reason to ask three questions. That's worth three questions. That's totally okay because they're setting the tone of what's coming next. And the tone they're setting is that and this comes through the Trump interview with David Muir. He's going to talk bullshit about like there might have been three to five million illegal votes in this election. Right. And that is nonsense. There's no chance. Yeah. There is zero chance yeah, of yeah. that being within a trillion miles of being true. Right. He's the president. These are his organs. And so, yeah, people are going to be focusing on that, particularly in the first days, because he's focusing on he's bringing that shit Absolutely. up. Yeah, right? He's not only and bringing so that, that shit that up. up, he's
0: ordering investigations into this, according to him, according to his conversation with David Muir, the first press conference uh press conference, not even a press conference, the for, the first, you know, um, idiocy that when Sean Spicer comes out and yells at people was ordered by the president. He said, go address these people and address this issue. Right. If you don't want the media who is going to be hostile to you anyway to be any more hostile, don't do things like this. It's pretty straightforward. If your best friend lies to you about something repeatedly for five days on the sixth day, you're going to suspect, even though he's your best friend, that he's lying to you again. And this is the conditions that that Donald Trump has created. Today, and this is to to, to further the idea that this is the full on Breitbartization of of the presidency. uh, Steve Bannon uh, gave an interview to The New York Times. Steve Bannon does not talk to a lot of people. He wanted to push back on some of the Spicer stuff. So he calls The New York Times and says, this is what I want to talk about is, you know, Sean Spicer and and, you know, the lies that he's telling and the lies that he's been ordered to tell and Steve Bannon in this interview that that's thats thats the way he described it to the New York Times no it's the way it's the truth I mean, <laughs> if you're going out there and saying you say that this is the biggest crowd right. ever that is not true right. they, they, pivoted that is the, demonstrably they pivoted on the false. story now
1: now it's not not so much that it's the biggest crowd ever on the mall but it was oh the biggest crowd ever watching on all this is, this all is, this is what, this what
0: happens to a five year old sure. when they get caught doing something they start spinning and say well you know I didn't exactly say that I was just trying to say this and this is what, what, what they're doing now so, so when Bannon uh, talks to the New York Times, Bannon says uh, a whole series of things to the New York Times about that, that um, you guys just have to shut your mouth and listen. That's a bad yes. thing to say. Bad thing to say. Let me just give you a little tip here. The adversarial press exists not to shut your mouth and listen. If, sure. if the, if the top advisor, Valerie Jarrett, whoever the fuck it was, to President Obama came out in Tea Partyville in 2009 and gave an interview to Fox News, you know, what they, someone they consider an adversary and said, you guys gotta sit back and shut your mouth. Imagine the hue and cry that would come up from Tea Party Nation if an Obama a surrogate was saying, media, shut your mouth and listen to us for yeah. a bit. It'd be a that's permanent the, meme. That's a permanent meme. That's the number one thing. I will defend uh, Kellyanne Conway, actually, who is now part of her uh, Wikipedia biography of the uh, alternative <laughs> facts. Alternative the, the, what facts. the woman was trying to say was that we were looking at an alternative set of facts that you guys weren't looking at. That's right. That is also bullshit, uh-huh. because there are no alternative set of facts. Sure. But she was not saying in an Orwellian way, <sighs> we are in a universe where we create alternative facts. Cut the lady a little bit of slack. There are going to be plenty of other things to hang her on. And that doesn't have to be the one. But everyone's gleefully alternative facts, alternative facts. But again, on the other hand, what they do is they do come out with an alternative universe of facts that aren't facts. And that is a problem. When Steve Bannon comes out and says that, you know, uh, you guys have to sit sit back and shut your mouth. And he says, you are the opposition. Then you read what Bannon says. The thing is, there is somebody in this room that will know exactly what I'm talking about is that Steve Bannon used to run Breitbart.com. Steve Bannon is in that interview just telegraphing Andrew Breitbart. It is fine when Andrew Breitbart was saying that when he was doing his kind of Andy Kaufman-like uh, performance art, but he is in the White House now and he's saying, you are the opposition. And we are go- we are going to war with you. And you remember all those memes of a picture of Andrew shouting with the hashtag war is that this is kind of terrifying that the White House is actually saying we are going to go to war with the press. The And also, um, you know, we got a document the other day at Vice News about before anyone had it about uh, the 40 percent U.N. or U.N. cuts. It was a very vague document. Mm-hmm. That is full of misspellings, and you know, thinks that the ICC is funded by the White House. It's not, um, or the U.S. It's not. Um, it is a, a document by somebody who basically writes blog posts for a living. Is what it sounds like to me, and. You know, what we're also going to find is somebody who's at war with the press. There are a lot of people in the State Department that are not political appointees. There are people all across the government who are not political appointees, who are lifers there. And these are people that, guess what? That document came to us, and it, there are going to be more that come to us because that, Dropped on somebody's desk and it dropped in one of our inboxes. And this is going to be the leakiest White House. It already is. It already is. The Washington Post had five to six. What is it five or six staffers that had talked to the Post about the
2: president's. Emotional meltdowns. Yeah, like watching TV, and not just the Washington Post. That was the first story, but the New York Times had a had a follow up, and it's like, yeah,
0: yeah we they don't we, make this
2: stuff up. We interviewed a dozen people close to the president, and they're describing how, like, they're trying to get the remote control out of his hands. That he's has an emotional response when he sees big pictures of the Pussy Hat rally and all this kind of stuff. It's Crazy, it's crazy how much they're leaking right now Because
0: the thing is if 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 Steve Bannon is living in a fantasy world that he's lived in for a very long time and you can see that from the content that comes out of Breitbart and you know um people that p- play journalist on TV. It's like the guys, you know, in uh, St. John's wart commercials that wear lab coats of a guy like Matthew Boyle pretending to be a journalist. We are going to blow you guys out of the water. Good God. No, you are not. I mean, this this is a long history of very ideological organizations that plump for presidents or for for ideas and a kind of, you know, uh, the John Birch Society had its newspaper that did very well in a way in a time that there was no Internet. This is not as new to the things that Matt Boyle wants to do. But if he if Bannon is going to go out there and say, you are our enemy, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you the next time you go into the Oval Office? Why don't the next time you go into the White House take a look around? Those people are leaking to the opposition. You people, you are calling the opposition the press. They are leaking to the enemy. And by the way, Fox News will have its its blowhard shows, but they also have people that are pressing on these things too. You're not going to get you know journalists like a guy like James Rosen, who was given a very 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 hard time uh, in a very sinister way by the Obama administration. These guys are also not going to take it easy on you. And he's like tweeting this stuff. Oh. Uh, uh, Fox kills CNN in the ratings. They actually tied uh, CNN in the ratings in the inauguration. Uh, so that's actually wrong, too. But you're not going to have people like that who are going to ignore stories of, of you know, really, really crappy governments and, and really, really sort of sinister mustache twisting stuff. And they're not going to report although, it. It's not true. The
1: issue the issue is comes in when you actually have, in addition to reporting on important stories and reporting on stuff that's getting leaked from the White House that is disconcerting about, uh, say, the president's state of mind, uh, whether or not the president's temperament is correct. If journalistic temperament is sort of all over the place, then you actually do mm-hmm. end up with phony stories that aren't. Quite accurate, or are perhaps sure. entirely sure. contrived, uh, made up from sort of partial information. And journals, by circulate. the way, I just and just and that, to is, be, a, that yeah. is a serious problem. So, that is
0: actually happening already. We're and I'll just, a very brief addendum to that: journals are also doing them. There's themselves no favors here, because you know. It's not untrue that the, there is a liberal bias in, in media. It's not That's not surprising at all. I mean, all we have to look at is, you know, this is somebody from who's a pro-choice person, but somebody also has a set of eyes in their head. Tomorrow is the March for Life. They have had numbers that beat the march in Washington, uh, the Women's March, and they get zero coverage because people don't want to cover that because they think those people are lunatics and think, they think
2: about they're it. crazy. Think about it this way, just to point in that exact thing. How many people... Do you know, personally, Moynihan, mm. um, who was involved in the uh, the marches against Trump on uh, Saturday or Sunday, whatever that
0: happened? Uh, three dozen? Maybe more? 50? 50, 56? Yeah. I, I was, I was everybody, everybody. I was at a wedding
2: in, in, in L.A. with a bunch of old friends, uh, and there was a party on Saturday night, and that day, a third of them, yeah. dear old friends, had gone. And now, uh, you, everybody. Camille?
1: Uh, a, a good number, good yeah. number, good number. Yeah. I mean, somebody that I was working. I, with I don't today. know what the number is. A lot.
0: Somebody but. I was working with today, who's not a journalist, so he doesn't, he can't, doesn't have to recuse himself from this stuff, was uh, telling me that. Oh, I was, I was in D.C. with my family for that, and another person earlier today, uh, also not a journalist, told me the exact same thing with their family. Yeah. I mean, I could probably name fifty. I mean, now, yeah,
2: yeah. If, if we had to, we could name fifty. Now, how many could you name? friends, acquaintances, family members who either went to the Tea party rally or a March for Life rally?
1: I mean, uh, I know a few, um, certainly less. Uh, and I know uh, at least yeah. one person who will be at the March for Life rally tomorrow. But I can only say that I know.
0: For sure, that one person will be there. My, I, my, I'm guessing that I know one person, maybe Molly Ziegler. Anywhere? Yeah, I
2: mean, we know them because we know them in our work, world. Yeah, but I, I mean, non journalist
0: I don't know anyone yeah. like if outside of journalism and outside of what we do. And of course, there's a lot of overlap there. A lot of our friends are also in this world. Sure. And that's how it happens. But if I were to remove like friends from high school, friends from New York, uh, not a single person. Yeah. But and, the, and, but and the that, upshot is
2: that we're in a, we're in a bit of a bubble as well. is you know, what i what I think you're suggesting. What I'm saying is that that that's the norm you know there's something like one out of 100 americans were in these marches on Saturday, which is amazing. I mean, it was a, huge it was, deal. It, was a huge, it was a huge. It was
1: nationwide, which is part of the reason why that's the case.
2: And it exceeded expectations in basically every single city. Yes. I mean, it was really the, the the size of it. And talking to, to friends who were, were there, a lot of whom were seriously have been pretty despondent since the election. It was a big shot in the arm. And I think it was an interesting thing and, and, and put Trump on his own heels dealing with all that kind of stuff. But um, that is the milieu of journalists. So when you're reading any newspaper in the country or you're seeing anybody on TV, they know those people in those rallies. They don't know the other people over there. And that colors the world, even if you are agreeing with the reportage of those that you see who are being um, whatever talking about anything having to do with Trump, and I think it's an important as a, like a basic media literacy yeah. thing to realize that doesn't mean that what they say. I mean, Camille, you said early in in us uh, talking on the show about Trump, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. part of the the upside of a possible Trump presidency was yes. that it would awake. You know, an adversarial press; it would awake think that's right, yeah. civil society. And well, a, here's the thing about that: a
1: hysterical press and an adversarial press are are, are different. And at times, they're going be think both. We, that's we the thing. We veer towards the other thing, which that's,
2: I I totally agree. That is the thing. That's I totally mean, angry. we we are we're happy to have nostalgic runs about the adversarial press under Richard Nixon. I, I'm not so nostalgic. but um, I Understand? Yeah, you can see we're alive. <laughs> um, but like that came with yeah. Uh, The hysterical press, too, they come together and that is complicated to sort out because you need it for the adversarialness and you're irritated by it on a like a basic social level that they're heavy breathing about the Twitter account of some national park you will never go to in your life, as opposed to thinking about, hey, look, Donald Trump, by executive order. I don't know, on Wednesday, reversed four decades of American policy on refugee resettlement. Sure. That's kind of a big deal. No, It's a huge yeah. deal. And you and you get less what, of that than but, you do about you know, the, the niceties. Yeah, cities. Ahead, no, I was just going
1: to say what, what is really interesting. And this is this is that's a great point. I'm glad I made it at some point in the past. Sure. Um, uh, is, is all of the people who are saying, wait a minute, can the president can the president actually do that? Well, he, he can't do that. Right. Like he doesn't have the... That's not in the... Oh, that's the, unconstitutional. The realization like, of... Executive wow, power? this is... Yeah. It's amazing yeah. how yeah. this happens. It dawns on you. Um, I, I suppose... Uh, Again, my optimism, the silver lining uh, in the sort of meh Trump philosophy that at some point people would start to kind of have a uh, a, an actual response to this and start to advocate for policy that I think is a little more sane, uh, like restraining the executive branch and and perhaps not allowing the president to just legislate with his his pen and his phone. Um, I just don't know if it'll stick. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. In fact, I'm suspicious in most cases that it will not stick, and that th- for most people, it's a it's a matter of opportunism. But to the extent it does stick, I think what it will require is some quality, thoughtful journalism, and there is definitely some of that happening. There's um, a lot of you, that happening, but, need, but to but the to the that.
0: yeah to the point that uh, of a couple things about. Um, You know, journalism is in journalists are in this moment where they're they're being attacked by the White House and in a very peculiar and very sort of unique way. I haven't seen it like this in a long time. Um, There's a kind of, you know, later in Clinton's presidency, Mm -hmm. you know, Nixon, who is outwardly, you know, friendly to uh, journalists, but then have his list of like Daniel Shore and these people who would, you know, sick the IRS on them. But this is a different kind of thing. That said, you know, journalists play into their hands. Like, I saw a story that nobody noticed, and I thought about tweeting it, and I was like, you know what? I don't need to get every journalist in America, like, you know, bitch. It. I can't, I can't, I don't have the time to go back and forth with them in this, but there was, um, does anyone know that, you know this uh, software Slack? Do you guys use Slack yeah, at yeah. work? Yep. So Slack is is a thing, basically an instant messaging program and you can create channels on it and people use it at work. They use it a lot in newsrooms. We use it, I know you use it too. Um, and there was a story uh, about a Slack channel that was being created nationwide for journalists on how we should handle Trump. Mm. And now what is the sort of implicit problem of that? is that you have journalists getting together (laughs) On mass, not from different organizations, to get in one central Slack channel. I mean, you thought you know the Dave Weigel journalist scandal was bad <laughs> to get together and collude. Is that the and, Dave Weigel scandal?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, uh, he was <laughs> the <laughs> only one who suffered from it. He was the only yeah. one who
0: suffered to get fired from his job. That he now the, he got fired from the place that he now works for again. But that was one thing, and I was like, look, you guys really can't do that, and then go out on Twitter constantly and just kind of antagonize, antagonize when you're a straight reporter if you if your opinion. Person, that's fine. The other thing was in the Women's March. I was thinking about one of the things I tweeted about this, and I can't believe no one paid attention to this. They had a list of honorees. And this is the people that the organizers of the Women's March were saying, We are doing this for these women who are trailblazers in women's rights. And it's especially important to, to um, sort of focus on these people now because of our grab them the pussy president. Okay, that's fine. Now, there was a story about this, which is why people heard about this list of honorees. And the story was a a lot of weeping that Hillary Clinton who lost the election, was not among these people because she was a great trailblazer in the political realm. Everybody is writing about this. Nobody decided to take a look at the list of honorees and say, all right, well, who are these people that the the these, you know, what you say, one in a hundred, whatever. Everybody that we know, everybody that you know, lots of people that live in cities and, you know, college educated, upper middle class people, everyone they know is going to this march. Who, so who are the people that they're honoring? One of the people, there's a number of them that are completely <laughs> chaotic, but uh, I I saw and I looked because I have a, a, a deep reservoir of information about psychopaths. I don't know why. Uh, no useful I'm, information. I'm really, really smart. I've got a, I've got a very good brain. Yeah, I've got a great brain yeah. uh, that only works in one direction. It's like, <laughs> if you supported the Soviet Union, I remember you. Um, and there was, I saw the name Yuri uh, uh, Kachiyama, who I remember, she had. A, there was a Google Doodle. Uh, Honoring her one time. This woman is a total psychopath and she's one of those. She was a Japanese American activist. She's since passed away. And in 2003, she said this, I consider Osama bin Laden as one of the people that I admire. To me, he's in the category of Malcolm X, Che Guevara, Patrice Lumumba, Fidel Castro, all leaders that I admire. They had much in common besides being strong leaders who brought consciousness to their people, et cetera, et cetera. They fight um, racism, U.S. imperialism. This is one of the people being honored at the women Women's March is a woman who praises Bin Laden. Now, imagine <laughs> a Tea Party march or some equivalent march after Obama becomes president. Well, that, would be and, only, that would be the only story, perhaps. That I, would one be. would imagine that yeah. if there was somebody on stage or somebody they are honoring who who thought Timothy McVeigh was a great American hero? Uh, the only person who did that, as a matter of fact, was Gore Vidal. But there are people that that would be a news story for a very, very, very you know, long I, time. I
2: taunted you on Twitter because I was listening as I was driving. I was rooting around uh, the uh, women's march in downtown LA because I had I just landed like a, a ninety minutes beforehand. I had to get to Eagle Rock, which is north of uh, it's a Thad Russell territory, near uh-huh. Occidental. And I'm like, man, you know. I could go around. I could go through downtown, but it, the march is downtown. I, I kind of want to avoid traffic. I'm in LA. I'm my home, so I like totally went around. But I was listening. I compensated by listening to Pacifica Radio, oh, to the, the live. Uh, uh, I didn't. Do you speak Korean? Because uh, sometimes. Well, they, they had, had a great history, by the way, of being pro-North Korea. They had Angela Davis on, and I, oh, I taunted oh, you boy. on Twitter yeah, like yeah, you yeah. weren't listening to Angela Davis. It yeah. was like a checklist of Michael Moynihan blood pressure points. Yeah, yeah. That's why I didn't listen to it. She talked about Asada Shakur. We need yeah. uh, we need justice for uh, Mumia. Yeah, Buzumal. the justice for Asada Shakur. Uh, you know, she's getting her justice. She has to live in
0: fucking Cuba. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, Mumia, obviously.
0: Oh, of course, yeah.
2: Uh, Leonard Peltier. Okay. Um,
0: Three guilty people. Yeah.
2: Uh, Everyone literally guilty. All of them. (laughs) uh, I I, I don't want to get ahead of my skis here. She might have mentioned Sandinistas. I'm not exactly sure here, but it was just boom, bada, boom, bada, boom, presented as like, of course. Uh, she's with us. We're all in in this thing together. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it reminded me of of uh, being at the protests in front of the Democratic convention in 2000 in L. A. There was a uh, a big protest that I I I was both covering and for one of the only times in my life feeling like if I'm covering and I'm marching at the same time I'm fine with that. And it was a protest against the Rampart uh, scandal back then, which if people have forgotten, uh, LAPD scandal, yeah. LAPD scandal in the late 90s, in which cops. Uh, Special unit was tasked with cracking down on uh, mostly uh, Central American immigrants, and they were using the fact that they could threaten to deport those immigrants, thanks to the law passed by Bill Clinton in 1996, to say, okay, uh, I'm going to deport you unless you confess to this crime that you didn't commit, right? And it was just a terrible, horrific uh, census of abuse. So I I went... Uh, to this protest in front of the 2000 convention about this thinking, yeah, you know what? Uh, This is a gross abuse of power. And it's also a, uh, a teaching lesson about what happens when you give cops more power under any circumstances. And yep. Everyone got up there, started talking about how great Fidel Castro was yeah. and how we needed to free Mumia Abu-Jamal. It's like, can you do any protest without that? They can't do single that, issue ones. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the always, same people
1: that, that show up at these protests. Is that, that intersectionality, that sort of the, by the way? The I want
2: to, I, I, yeah. I, is that what that word actually means? I don't know. That we have, have to hear? I think that's true. About Mumia? Yeah. yeah. I mean, sort people, of. But people yeah. on the
0: fringes there? Yeah. I mean, it's usually, you never get, I mean, the March for Life is interesting because as a journalist, you go and cover that and there's one issue that people are talking about. You go to the Women's March, and it's like, you know... People holding signs that are like about the minimum wage, people holding signs about, you know, people who have killed cops for various times in their lives. And there are people actually on stage. I mean, Angela Davis, of course, um, was uh, went on the run in 1972 because she was involved in uh, the killing of a judge, uh, George Jackson, who she was dating at the time with Jonathan Jackson, his brother, who then went to the courthouse and kidnapped the judge and taped a shotgun to his head. And the shotgun went off and blew the judge's head off. Oh, it's a mistake. Uh, and that gun was registered to Angela Davis, who spent the previous two days with George Jackson, and, uh, uh, Jonathan Jackson, his brother, and then went, went you know on the lam. Then, of course, when she was, by the way, the interesting thing, and this is actually interesting, Camille, a little small history lesson here is she when she was uh, prosecuted, uh, she uh, was found innocent, so she didn't do it. Uh, but she was found innocent by a jury uh, of 12, uh, 11 whites and one Hispanic, not a black person on the jury, and she was, and then she left and did a uh, tour of um, occupied Soviet countries in which she received uh, later her uh, Lenin Peace Prize uh, given to her by Eric Honecker, uh, the dictator of East Germany, who she was quite close friends with. Lovely person. And she spoke on stage and she was representing all of our alienation with Donald Trump, apparently. I, I don't understand the world anymore. I give up it's horrible <laughs> it's a repulsive place that well we're living. well maybe maybe it makes sense to try to tick tick through some of
1: the sort of specific actions because it's it's so odd like when we have the conversation about the the press I've, and i think for the reasons that you highlighted matt just kind of the the actual fact that a lot of journalists are in fact progressives that when they look at these stories when they sort of get together um that there there is sort of this ratcheting up there is an intense focus on the Trump administration right now. Sometimes it's hysterical. Oftentimes there are very real things And part. Some of the real things that they are concerned about this week are the voter fraud investigation, which we uh, which we name checked, um, which is sort of utterly ridiculous. Uh, it, it seems that the Trump administration is focused on the, the singular piece of evidence that they have been citing. The evidence asterisks in quotes um, is uh, Pew research that suggests that there are millions of people who are Either dead and actually registered to vote, um, or who are um, registered to vote in more than one state. Now, like, like of me, course, any any thinking person listening to me explain and that Tiffany Trump realizes that one, you don't actually have to register post mortem to be on the rolls and dead, right? Or two, that there isn't any evidence of actual voter fraud. In those statistics, the only evidence that I've given you is that the voter rolls aren't really particularly up to date. What you would actually expect to find is some sort of pattern of behavior. And in order to actually affect outcomes in some sort of meaningful way, you would actually need coordination and coordination um, amongst bureaucrats. If it's happening in government or amongst the independent folk who are doing all sorts of stuff on the ground, um, really, really hard to do silently so that no one finds the hell out what you are doing um it is part of the reason why the project veritas uh sort of nonsense underground we got you um projects nearly always end up fixate on some ridiculous kind of sort of almost scandal like oh my god they're showing up at protests and they are hoping that people punch them in the face it is a scandal and a conspiracy um so there's so there's the voter fraud, there's the border wall. Uh the border wall which is I think the Trump administration said may cost like what, eight billion to ten billion? Eight and, to fourteen and Paul MIT Ryan, is saying what, forty billion dollars would tw- the price
2: tag. Like closer to twenty five. Yeah. Uh, and let's remember, this is on top of all the money that we've spent since 2001 down there, which is a lot of money, like yeah. we doubled and tripled the size of the Border Patrol or whatever we're calling them now.
1: He also undoes the, the federal hiring ban or freeze because he wants to hire another 5,000 Border Patrol agents uh, in the, addition to building the
2: wall. It's the classic, uh, you know, hiring freeze or whatever thing um it's true for everything except for law enforcement and the military, right? Which is to say that mm. it's not true.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the board, the uh, uh, chief border patrol agent uh, resigned today.
2: Yeah. Too, by the way. Although uh, that might be part of the it's uh, a union. Sort of Josh Rogan, you know, like oh my god, people change jobs. When no, I mean it's
0: it's I mean, uh, Radley Balko is pretty interesting on this, and he's he's been uh, kind of supporter of this guy Mark uh, whatever his name I want to say Mark Marin, but it's uh, Mark Morgan. Uh, <laughs> Hell of a podcast. Different, different Yes. And and um apparently he's been the, the the Border Patrol Union supported Trump. Right. And uh he was a kind of reformist and I think that he he knew that his days were probably numbered and he left anyway. But yeah, to the to the point about the pew poll, which is what, six years or four years old or something. Uh it specifically said in it that there's no evidence of any wide scale voter fraud. Despite there's, that, there's Donald that. Trump uh is and the, talking about this. Openly. And the
2: author of the poll said it doesn't say what Donald Trump says that it That's says. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then when Trump was confronted with that by David Muir. He, he said, said, why do you write the poll? Why do you write it?
0: It's, like, it's not. He, he wrote it and he stands by it. You just misread it. I uh, willfully. I, re- yeah. I
2: recommend everyone read if they haven't already. Jacob Solomon had a great piece this morning on uh, Thursday. About kind of sorting through the journalistic take of of is Donald Trump lying as the New York Times has decided they're going to right. use that word, right? Yeah. Or is he? Or saying does he really believe these falsehoods? Things, yeah. And it's actually it sounds like a kind of a wonky exercise, but it's actually kind of interesting to sort through and try to figure that out. Um, and then, and I don't want to spoil the kicker, but like it comes down to we'll probably be happy. If Trump is lying, as opposed to if he believes it, because if he believes it, then he's impervious to the evidence. I
1: think I think there's a tremendous amount of evidence that Donald Trump is likely an actual conspiracy theorist who simply sure. believes all manner of fantastic sure. things that there is no evidence to support. Sure. I mean, if we um, say or or, yeah. or thin evidence to support that is I think that that is almost certainly the case And and the palling around with Alex Jones. In addition to spearheading a campaign to find the president's birth certificate, in addition to the millions of people who are totally voting, you just don't know it. I, I believe uh, I think it's Roger Stone um, has a new book coming out. And apparently <laughs> one of always the, one of the excerpts. Well, this is about how he helped to single handedly get uh, Trump elected. But one of the quotes is about how Trump, you know, calls him one day and he's just he's so distraught. He's beside himself and he is concerned about them, really, they're trying to steal it from him. I think the quote was something like, "Are they?" I I think they're really going to try to steal this from me, Roger. What should I do? About yeah, great this? thing to say to it's Roger. Like, oh, Young. oh, call call my friend Paul Manafort. He'll tell you. He'll figure this out. Okay. So when he's talking about them stealing the election, he truly believes it. The, one of the moments from that ABC News interview is when he says, well, "Hold on a minute. You you're talking about voter fraud. You're talking about people stealing the election. Isn't it dangerous to suggest that this?" Sort of thing could be true. Isn't it dangerous for you to suggest this as the president? The two answers that he gives are, well, no, uh, I mean, because I won. So I'm here and the fraud was definitely not on my part. And two, uh, there are a lot of Americans who agree with me. And I thought to myself when I heard that, like, well, yeah, that's true. There are a lot of Americans on both sides of the aisle who have long believed that there are all manner of crazy, kooky sure.
0: conspiracies, specifically these kooky conspiracies. It, it, which, yeah, it's amazing. Know. Every thing. once in a while, I have that revelation. Uh, well, it's an amazing the, thing. Uh, like we, every, like um, uh, Trump supporters saying now, you guys said that uh, because of an off the record interview that he gave to the New York Times editorial page about the border wall, a lot of other things, that he didn't believe this stuff. And now he's showing you that he believes it and, you know, all that stuff that he said, he's going to do it. That also applies to his past behavior about conspiracy theories. You know, he was like, well, he doesn't believe uh, Obama was born in Kenya now because he gave a press conference and said it. It's like, no, I mean, that that Donald Trump does exist. And that's that's the you're getting the real thing there. I mean, it's really terrifying. Roger Stone, by the way, um, who when I interviewed him in October, was fairly convinced that Trump was going to lose the election and said to me. On the record, and we didn't use it, but he said to me, they've run a lousy campaign. And then he told me about an NDA that he had signed that would require him to keep quiet about his work with the with the administration or the the, the then uh, campaign and said that he had uh, discovered that the Shell company or whatever who signed the NDA made it not valid. He said, so I'll probably write a book about this, he said, with this sort of sinister twinkle in his eye and blowing them up. Yeah. And now he's come out with a book. Changed the approach. Yeah, Changed the approach a little bit, right? <laughs> uh, Roger Stone. Uh, has actually uh, put aside a book that and this, again, is somebody the president talks to. Um, he put aside a book that he will be publishing, um, I, I guess, later this year, which accuses Hillary Clinton of having John F. Kennedy Jr. murdered. That's actually true. Not, it's not true that that happened. That's false. But it's, it's, true. it's true, true that writing, he's writing that book. How yeah. do you know it's not true? Uh, well, that's Uh-oh. what, that's what uh, Roger said to me. Yeah. I said, that's utter nonsense. And he said, how do you know? You haven't read my book? You haven't seen the evidence? And I'm like, you know, Occam's razor here that I'm going to trust all, everyone else on the planet <laughs> <and> not you, <laughs> who I'm meeting at a John F. Kennedy uh, that's, conspiracy that's how, conference. That's
1: how innovation happens. That's how breakthroughs happen. There were plenty of people who didn't believe that the Wright brothers could get that damn plane off the ground. Sure. i mean, the, the other thing saying.
0: The other thing is to the point He's of, just asking uh, questions. God, He's it. asking really dumb questions. <laughs> uh, uh, to the point about um, the the truth and lies thing, this has really gotten a lot of members of the media into this sort of moral high dudgeon, where they're yes. really being So I'll give you one this morning. John Swain, who writes for The Guardian, mm-hmm. uh, NBC News tweeted this. Um, this is the tweet from NBC News. Kellyanne Conway claims Tiffany Trump says it's, quote, flatly false She's registered in, to vote in two states. NBC News, and there's a link to the story, in which the story, NBC News says, no, we've confirmed that she is. John Swain tweets that and says, uh, he says, she claims that it's flatly false. John Swain says, but it's not. It's 100% true. So why are you tweeting this? Think about that for a second. Think about the fact that NBC News is tweeting Kellyanne Conaway Delivering information of tiffany Trump's defense, and he sh- she shouldn't NBC's news shouldn't even pay attention to it because it's not true. it's It is vital for us Absolutely. to know. Yeah what they're saying yep. and in the piece itself it says that we have confirmed that she is in fact vote, registered to vote in two states and John Swain is saying why are you tweeting this? you shouldn't even tweet this at this point point." and now we've become these guardians of information right. which by the way makes the conspiratorial types like Alex Jones and the kind of slightly sub Alex Jones people who are like conspiratorial in nature but not really into the conspiracy universe the people that a lot of whom vote, vote for Trump Yeah. all of this does is reinforce the idea that the media Media is running interference for their version of the truth. Well, I, and Russ, Russ Doughty had,
2: had a piece that uh, Camille was forwarding around that I think yeah. was, was pretty great. Of of like urging, and he's a you know mildly conservative columnist at the New York Times.
0: He's basically just a Catholic.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and he was urging the media not to take the bait to be to become the opposition that Steve Bannon desperately wants them to be. I mean, the oh, reason yeah. why Steve Bannon said that is because it's useful. For Trump to have the entire media, as if that's a thing, yeah. um, to be uh, this opposition figure because it, it rallies uh, their own sense of base and it yeah. gives them someone to to, to play uh, with. There have been a lot of. I mean, this has been the the craziest two weeks I've ever seen, and I've written about. I use the media as as a, a, a topic area for more than twenty years. In a lot of different outlets, uh, writing about the industry, and 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 I've never seen the last anything like the, the 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 craziness the last two weeks. I mean, it's just been nuts, and some of it's been very interesting. Uh, Jay Rosen takes the uh, the press from uh, from NYU takes the position of like, why would you even interview Kellyanne Conway and his writing, go out and, and seek it out because it is pretty interesting. I disagree with him ultimately. Uh, he also says, send your interns to the White House, uh, press score, you know, the press room. Don't send your best people because that way you are not having your shiny people that you can be, you know, yelled at as fake news.
0: No, it doesn't matter.
2: Whereas Jack, <laughs> whereas <laughs> anyway. Jack Schaefer says, hey, look, this is great. You're fulfilling your destiny. Conflict is the nature yeah. of this. This is great. And we're in a, in a leaking environment. Jack has been great recently too. By the I way. think yeah. Jack has been uh, phenomenal. I, I, and I associate my my uh, ideas with his in this case. But it is amazing to watch this kind of meta-analysis here. And a lot of it is policing along, what are you going to call a lie? And if you don't, that's wrong. And if you talk to this person, and I really think that's the wrong way to do it. Agreed. I mean, we, we have, um, for better and for worse, this really kind of multifaceted media universe right now. Remember that everyone's going to come out in their own way. CNN's going to do it different than BuzzFeed, and then they'll yell at each other for it. And that's kind of healthy, actually. I think, um, in that, in its own way, sure. And uh, and don't become the you know completely predictable antagonist here and do your work there's plenty of work here as we were talking earlier with all these leaks and these stories they're phenomenal they're really really interesting and all the agencies many of them are going rogue right now mind that and also mind that in a way that w- with a with a heart open to like you know what Fuck this bureaucrat who's lived here For 20 years and who can do Anything and run it on autopilot Be open to the idea that Maybe this hostile force that Came into Washington to shake things Up in the Department of Education and other kinds of places It's not going to be Universally negative It's going to be actually interesting If nothing else it'll make you defend a position That you have lazily assumed All good people agree on for the Last 40 years and you've never bothered to Defend I think that's actually kind of a healthy thing to go through.
1: Although they, they are they've ended up for some for some people have ended up in precisely the place you would expect if the principal thing that they're concerned with is sort of the motivation of this monster, this this Voldemort character who showed up in Washington, D.C. and is, in fact, racist. And the only thing that he is actually interested in is getting rid of all of the Mexicans uh, and throwing them out uh, himself in person, if entirely possible, um, which it, it does it does sort of paper over the need, the requirement to actually do sort of evidence-based, um, evidence-based adjudication and evaluation of whether or not this thing is sort of fundamentally true or could work, uh, in a practical context. One place where I have actually seen a lot of really great, uh, reporting, and this is just in the last, uh, couple of hours, um, most of the stories I've read about the twenty percent tariff that was floated uh, for Mexico
2: border tax adjustment, border,
1: border tax adjustment. That's that's great. Um, have actually been quite good, um, precisely because they focus on well, you know, there's kind of some reasons why this might not be a great idea. Um, which is yeah. one, it's great to think that people are passing this around because it's the same fundamental economic exactly. out- insight. Exactly what I was is thinking. Really good oh thing. my god, everyone's um, become a
0: free trader. Yeah, it's yeah, so great. But I mean, the,
1: the Mexicans, <laughs> except actually, for the president, b- they purchase, they purchased purchase things from us. There, yeah. are, there are jobs here in the United States yeah. that require that we cooperate with the Mexicans. Millions of them. Uh, six million by
2: one estimate. Can we just call them the Mexican? The Mexicans. The Mexicans. No plural. Yes,
0: we can. Yeah, Mexican.
2: The Mexican. You know, when trading with the Mexican. That yeah. one Mexican want make, yeah, is creating yeah, yeah, yeah. Six But I want, I want
0: to know if anyone's thought <laughs> of, of the unforeseen consequences of this, and I tweeted about this earlier, is that if you put a 20% tariff on imported Mexican goods, all Mexicans and, goods. and whether that's you know uh, you know uh, guacamole or whether mm-hmm. it's a, a refrigerator or, or a car or the something. avocados, yeah, avocados, yeah. But yeah. you know when they, they usually they no, usually I take know. them and make them guacamole first because <laughs> Americans can't do that. So I mean, imagine that you have an, an enormous increase, and we know that small fluctuations in minimum wage and stuff affect people's buying, they affect hiring. Now imagine that twenty percent tariff is going to have a great effect on low wage and low skilled workers in Mexico who work at factories and work in. Farm- Farms. when they are put out of jobs, where do you think they're going to go to find new jobs? <laughs> well, they won't be able to get in because of the super effective, totally real- Which we are trying to raise money 30, to build, which will take 10 years. Fence. And they're like, right now I'm going to yeah. go across, man. I'm just yeah. going to walk, okay? I mean, it's not, it's this idea that like, oh, we're going to put all these Mexicans out of work and they're like, fuck, man, I'm going to go up north, okay? It's just like nothing, <laughs> everything's out of business because we can't trade with anyone. So let's go to America and work there. I mean- I, the, I mean, I think about this, people.
2: In 1980, when- uh, Uh, When uh, uh, Ronald Reagan uh, debated with George H.W. Bush about immigration, and it was a contest of who could be the most open to illegal immigrants. Uh, Ronald Reagan talked about opening the border both ways, um, opening the border. That's a direct quote there. Uh, uh, Both of them. And this is a time when Mexican women were still, you know, like having five births per woman on average. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not a joke. I mean, like,
0: oh, no, it's a lot of. Babies. Oh my God! I just. I'm sorry. I turned around and all of a sudden, Steve Saylor was sitting on that chair. <laughs> is that what happened? What
2: did you? No, I mean the the the. Watch out, Richard Spencer! Someone's going to punch you. It's something like <laughs> 19, uh, 1970, and this is true of all poor countries, and when uh, especially Catholic. When you're poor, you have all the babies, yeah. and they were having more than six babies per woman. is in...
1: anyone figure, ever figured out why? It just makes no sense. Why 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 you have a lot of kids when you? Yeah, are, you have uh, no money to um, pay for them.
2: Yes. It's because part of it is that women don't have any control over the the conditions of their life and of their reproductivity. They don't have any options for education. They don't go this way. So there's a a, a direct line in almost every society. The richer you get, the more women start to have control over their own education and life. And then the birth rate plummets. Jeez. I
0: mean, God, Steve Saylor became Gloria Steinem in no time.
2: Absol- <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe they have more income. You, You and I, we are not so different. <laughs> Uh, so this but uh, what I'm saying is that at that time, Mexico sucked. 1980 was not a good time for Mexico at all. And at that time, Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush said that the way to make that better is to open the border and create a hemispheric tr- free trade agreement so that they get richer, so that they don't need to come across as much to this country. Yeah, That was a normal kind of conclusion to have back then. And it's completely reversed. Donald Trump today. I don't know if he said it because I haven't seen the the exact uh, transcript of the speech that he gave in front of the GOP in Philadelphia. But I was uh, sitting there in our favorite bar, Emmett Looney's, L. down the street, mm-hmm. yeah. um, watching the Chiron on Fox Business Network, the the the, the network that um, they didn't fire uh, me and Camille. But they like I've never been fired from anything. They didn't. I didn't. I didn't renew my contract. We chose not to have our contract. That renewed. one was not
1: that one was provided. But I I didn't.
2: Right. And uh, I should I should shout out that uh, the successor show Kennedy just uh, celebrated its uh, second anniversary today. So uh, so shout out to everybody there, except for the people that let the pips go. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so I was sitting there watching it and there was a, a Chiron uh, underneath Trump, like barking out there saying, Trump, we are no longer going to tolerate having Americans pay for NAFTA. Think about that Uh, for a second. Just to think about that for one second here. Like even said, American taxpayers, enough with American taxpayers paying for NAFTA. And so what we're going to do instead- He doesn't know what NAFTA is, does he? I'm not
0: sure. Because you pay for NAFTA by going to Walmart and getting stuff that otherwise would be more
2: expensive. (laughs) It's not something that you pay for. But instead, what we're going to have is a 20% border tax adjustment, which makes that stuff at Walmart- 20% Twenty percent more expensive, not and
1: necessarily. That, I mean, we might get substitutes from other from other parts yeah, of the world. Okay, and, yeah, and but, I what, 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 but what, what
0: part of the world is Donald Trump not going to wage war on if it's coming to this country? Well, there, there are plenty of other impoverished places, and and since he seems no, I'm to just be doing saying, this all, it's selectively. Yeah, but um, I mean, look, but he he said China, but no, I'm with you. Mexico, China, yeah. I, China, and, and 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 you know where else are? I mean, <laughs> Theresa May. Uh, showed up in the U.S. today, the, the British Prime Minister, um, and top of the agenda was trade. Yeah, um, and and it will be an interesting conversation, especially with uh, European trading partners. I mean, I talked to somebody, uh, German guy who who uh, works in politics with the German government, and he said that the biggest concern amongst everybody within Merkel universe, Merkel verse, uh, Merkel Welt, she said, terrible place. <laughs> said, my uh, terrible place. Uh, everyone looks just like Angela Merkel. Yeah. Uh, is it's all. <laughs> About trade, I mean, there's the balances that I mean Germany has become a very, very successful. I mean, the, the economic miracle has the Wirtschaftswunder, as they call it, has, has continued to this day. They have a like a really roaring economy right now, very low unemployment, and they manufacture a lot. And a lot of their relationships rely on uh, the United States uh, for a variety of complicated reasons. And everyone there is terrified about it. They don't believe that this stuff is going to stay localized to Mexico or the mammoth uh, of China, which uh, Trump decided is going to be his enemy as a counterweight to Russia in a way that we haven't seen since, you know, Mao turned on Khrushchev. I mean, it's it's a it's a crazy, crazy world. We live in. I think that is the most dangerous thing that we've seen. Yes, this 20 percent by far, by far is that I mean, you look at the the budget cutting at the U.N., which, by the way, is a. Not a bad idea as a sort of larger idea. The specifics of that document are, you know, goofy and weird and like do not like, you know, like overly Zionist at times. You know, we will not fund any uh, any uh, U.N. group or organization that grants full membership status to the Palestinian Authority or I love the best bit, or the PLO which, by the way, hasn't really existed since Arafat died. What? Yeah, I mean, they're living in a different world there. But all the specifics of that are so bizarre. And it's like, we're going to have a committee that's going to do this, and it's this great bureaucratic nonsense to cut money from the UN budget. You know, top line, that sounds Mm -hmm. okay. You look at the specifics and it's like, wait, what are you talking about? Because you're talking about the ICC, which doesn't fall under this in any way. You just know, the person who wrote this, that the International Criminal Court is something we don't like, so therefore let's throw it into the basket. And all of this stuff is is. So kind of tentative and bizarre and not really, I don't really know what's going on when you read some of this stuff and it's open-ended, but this is, and by the way, sh- to be clear, Sean Spicer has tried to walk this back already and said that this was an idea. This is an idea that would be floating. And what does this do to bilateral relationships with Mexico? Uh, uh, Peña Nieto, the uh, 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 president of Mexico, was supposed to come to Washington, and have a meeting with with Donald Trump. He canceled it because Donald Trump said on Twitter, if you're not paying for the wall, don't come. On Twitter. And opinion Nieto Ooh. responded on Twitter. And so far, we have a, a diplomatic crisis with Mexico four to five days into this administration and a 20% tariff. This is a disaster,
2: but but unmitigated is it, but disaster. But is it
1: good for Twitter's stock price? That is the real question. No, they're not going to make any money, no matter what
2: they try. <laughs> Jack Dorsey is. Uh, I was about to say that Twitter is our second biggest trading partner, but like it's not true. I <laughs> yeah. think it's Mexico, second or third biggest trading partner. But like, they're going to respond. It's as if Donald Trump isn't well, aware is, yeah, that but I, there is a reciprocalness. Yeah. Because I'm not going to see rest. Well, this this is this is uh,
1: this is these these are art of the deal tactics, like trying to drive a hard bargain. Uh, uh, I don't. I mean, uh, this is the thing about it, right? I suspect that the 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 Mexican government is unlikely to act
2: first, right? Um, and refer to them as the Mexican. Police, the Mex- I told you. I, I
1: I think the Mexicans ain't going ain't going act first. Right. I suspect what that happened? what will actually happen is that people within the Trump administration will probably start to get a few more calls from people in Congress uh, that there will almost certainly be like other other forces that come to bear. That he
2: has been so strong, strong on this 20%. point. He's been tremendous on this tremendous. point. Yeah. Uh, no, this is what he cares. So about you think.
1: Me. So you, do you think that a 20 percent tariff will actually happen?
2: Is oh, this, I think I think uh for now, sure now a double digit tariff will happen. I mean, he's been talking about thirty five percent tariff up till now, and Sean Spicer now is like elucidating he was 40 it. at one point
0: forty two percent for china, but he uh, he said one time that he denied saying it, uh, which of course, uh, this is central. That, on that tape saying <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, but they're they're wrapping this up and and the g o p including our friendish uh Grover Norquist has decided that he's going to be okay oh, with no, this. No? Um I like Grover. I've I've done the musical theater with Grover, as you guys well know. Mm-hmm. Um in tights. Um D- doing Camelot.
1: Wearing the same tights. Yeah, same time. Did you say camel uh, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was implied.
2: Sorry. Okay. No, he's like the guy who's the Mr. Anti-Tax is like, okay, we can have a border tax adjustment. Ste- Steven, yeah,
0: Stephen Moore is the same Moore. way. Yeah. Uh, because they're going to try to wrap yeah. it
2: up with like, we're going to cut the corporate rate from 35% to 20%. We're going to create a tax holiday for people, for Apple to repatriate their funds from offshore and all this kind of stuff. It's going to be a, the big deal. And this is going to be the thing. In addition to the 52 to 48, very narrow majority that Republicans have in the Senate, which is the hinge point that all Democrats should be focusing on and are not because they're dumb uh, right now. Uh, That's that's that is your place that you have leverage right there. In addition to that upcoming, it is this deal. It is the border tax, which no Republican on Capitol Hill likes. Not one. Mm. Really. But they're going to trade it for a big tax reform. And those negotiations are going to be everything about what's going to happen, not just to the economy, but also the political trajectory right now of Trumpified conservatism, which doesn't resemble fiscal conservatism. Uh, you
0: know, way. and we're all going to need a tax cut to pay for the products that have increased by 20 to 30 percent. Not, by, we're all you not need necessarily. But, but Think about do, all do these think, Apple think, products think, he's going to have to do you, pay. Yeah. Like, do you think that? Hey, yeah. Stop it. I, I mean, Donald Trump is How also. So thousands said, of
2: dollars of Apple products does Camille have in this room uh, right now li- he, he literally <laughs> has well, what, is it, what is that thing he has an Apple watch on
0: he has an iPad in his hand is that an he Apple has, ring he has Dude, a, an, Apple an Apple ring. Newton on, uh, you know grafted into his neck it's ridiculous. It's a Lumo lift. By the way, can I also point no, out that seriously that- seriously. <laughs> he's got at least least uh, Apple things things. No. These are connected devices. And yes, there are there are things, <laughs> oh things. But literally, nobody to to talk to him, but yet <laughs> he yet, so many so of communication. Can I point out one other thing? of yeah. that Can this point kind of trade battle that's- of It's kicking off and a diplomatic row that's happening with Mexico. I pointed out before if these uh, people end up losing their jobs and having to. Yeah, the the, the single Mexican, uh, Bob. (laughs) It's very common in Mexico. It's it's very unfortunate for Bob, all of this. So Bob the Mexican has to maybe (laughs) sort of climb the non-existent border fence right now and maybe try to come to the U.S. to get a job. There's kind of fence there. There's there's always been one, but but whatever. Um, But the other thing is that, I mean, you saw that the peso crashed today. As no. a result of this, and now what happens? Let's think about this. It's true. It did. Huh? No, uh,
1: I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. CNBC. I wasn't peso
0: smacked after Mexican president cancels meeting. I'm just thinking
1: about the Dow at like 500 million. No, no,
0: no, no. But but from <laughs> the Trump perspective, where there are illegal Mexicans slithering <laughs> over the border and raping our women and taking our jobs, what happens when the peso crashes? Well, let's think about it in the same way about people who no longer have jobs in Mexico. There are people in the United States who are Mexican who are here illegally who are not going to be rounded up and deported because it's not possible. So let's forget about that. They will all of a sudden be sending remittance dollars back to Mexico that are worth a lot more. Right? Because the pesos crashed. So all of a sudden we have Mexicans who want to stay here more because their dollar is worth a lot they more. They want to come here more. They want to come here more because yeah. the, the spending power is increased. Thank you, Donald Trump. But, then, but then, You're actually but encouraging illegal immigration. But look, at, but to look how
1: fascinatingly days. well this works out for him. What you end up with are violent conflicts on the border between the <laughs> The flood of yeah. illegal immigrants that are trying to come across, and the the brand new shiny new this is like an L. Ron 5, Hubbard novel. Yeah. Five thousand border guards that a are a there. So no, so it just it's a, a great vicious way. cycle, and it keeps <laughs> going. Um, yeah. uh, the the sort of other things that we haven't hit on, and, and perhaps we'll get another time. Uh, Donald Trump also tweets that he's perhaps going to send the feds in to do something about all of this horrible violent crime in Chicago. Um, the, feds are already there. the feds
2: haven't done enough. Yeah. Well, look, he yeah. he
1: tweeted it, so I'm I'm reporting it because it's urgently yeah. important. Thank you. Um, that's that's I, I kid. Um, and then the other thing is this uh, this emoluments business, which yeah. we don't we don't really have to talk about this at length. Yeah, um, emoluments the, the,
0: stuff is confusing.
1: I I think the, the fact of the matter is it is no one really knows what is likely to happen here. Interpreting the Constitution, especially in a context like this, can sometimes be quite challenging and there isn't really any court precedent to explain exactly what the interpretation is that that one would actually use and what, in fact, uh, an emolument is uh, in a legal context. What is interesting, though, is just this fundamental question of whether or not sort of. Trump appears corrupt, and perhaps as uh, as as we're getting ready to get out of here, I mean, are you guys overly concerned uh, about the uh, the likelihood that Trump could be held over a barrel and forced to do something dangerous? Not held a over
2: a barrel, but I I just take it as a baseline that he's corrupt. And yeah, right. he's enriching sure. himself. But he's doing
0: things to enrich himself in the White House. Yeah. I mean he's I mean, the Mar a Lago thing of uh of right. doubling its entrance fee because people have become interested now that Donald Trump's president.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh he's the two hundred thousand dollars. I mean that's He's the just gonna landlord happen, yeah. to the bank of China. Yeah. China yeah. here yeah. in New yeah. York. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this isn't I mean, I mean,
1: they that, could leave. That they could leave,
2: yeah. No, no, but he's the landlord to the bank yeah. of China. Yeah, yeah. So like it's just it's crazy it's yeah. crazy and, and I'm sure in like, half
0: of these landlord deals he, he he used eminent domain to get like an old woman out of the way yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. like you know he's a great conservative for all these conservatives out there who are now rallying to I, his I don't head. know
2: I don't know about the uh, the the likelihood of success for some of the legal challenges on this yeah. Uh, well,
1: well, we don't even know if these folks have standing. Um, although there yeah. are all sorts of weird situations. I mean, that wasn't Irwin
2: Cher- Chemerinsky involved? Yeah, he's he, not he, nobody. He was. Know? He's
1: not nobody. Well, and no, not. I, I mean, like standing in in court. Like, I know. You actually I know. Have to yeah, be but he was writing about this, he's the and he dean of
2: the University of of yeah. uh, 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 California Irvine Law yeah. School. But has
1: he been? He's been injured by by these laws in some way, shape, or form? Uh,
0: no, he, I don't think anyone they wrote, in this particular suit can. Yeah, actually say that they have... exactly. he wrote something, and there's been people that are on his side that. Have said it's that it's kind of thin gruel and surprising yeah. for him to actually produce something. I can't remember who. I uh, think it was Jonathan Adler that said that. You know, I, I respect him a lot, but I don't I don't actually see it here. But you know, we're getting um, there. Are people? There was like a pack formed or some group formed, and I think the date on it was somewhere in September mm-hmm. um, of of um, you know an impeachment committee for Donald Trump. Just mm-hmm. just in case he won, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves a couple days in. But there is going to be so much eagerness. I mean, when you. You think about the way, I mean, there are so many books uh, from the 90s, uh, uh, The Hunting of a President, Joe Connison's book. Sure. About one particular, I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch, um, you know, uh, Michael Isakoff's book about how people, the concerted effort of conservatives in the 1990s, man, man, oh God, well, imagine that. To go after Bill Clinton, you know, free trading, kind of decent economy. They and this is where we are now. To go after Bill Clinton, and there was a concerted effort which gave, you know, rise to Hillary's thing of the vast right-wing conspiracy, which she, by the way, wasn't entirely wrong about. Correct. Conspiracy is not necessarily a bad or illegal thing, but there was a collusion amongst people to try she
2: to She was just wrong to apply it to whether or not There was an affair of Bucklewitz. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That was a little bit of Exactly.
0: And that's in in that kind of, remember the zeal and, like, you know, uh, the American Spectator at the time which getting money uh, from uh, Richard, uh, Richard gave to do something called the Arkansas Project, which is a research thing to find all dirt on Bill Clinton, right. which, by the way, who was the, one of the linchpins in that? David Brock, who is now yes, the head of, of Media course. Matters and now a liberal, but was a conservative at the time. And there was a huge effort, and they went to every end. And you know what happened? They impeached the president. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a culmination of that effort. And we are a few days in, and the effort that I have seen so far from even Mainstream journalists, not just the goofy people that were at the Spectator at the yeah. time, uh, is 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 pretty impressive, and they uh, people are ready to go. And 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 you know Donald Trump doesn't realize this because he's gotten away with it for so long. He basically got rid of an industry, an entire industry in D.C., which is Oppo Research, because nothing that they got mattered. Didn't have to release his tax returns. Nobody cared. Grabbing a pussy. That, that doesn't may actually care.
1: happen as a consequence of these uh, these emoluments filings. May, if, that's even right. if it doesn't go anywhere, if yeah. they get a slightly that's friendly right. judge, the judge could absolutely
0: require Donald Trump to hand over and his he taxes, doesn't, and, and he does not have
2: that. control over it. In,
0: absolutely. And, I, and, I, I, and I wonder if there's somebody that. at the IRS that might might do that for him. Oh yeah, uh, that's and that's that's possible. that's that's possible. But we're at a point now the, that there's so much corruption that in a guy who's so obviously corrupt and around people that are corrupt in the history of these people in his building industries that have been corrupt, and just the people that have been larding this transition team that not are not, not necessarily corrupt, but they do have very loose morals on some things. You know, the Paul Manaforts. I, this is not going to end well, I don't think. I don't think this is going to end well for for anybody. Well, this is this has been an interesting conversation. I mean, it is it's it's odd. I mean, it is the end of the first
1: week. It, there has been just a dizzying amount of of activity coming out of the Trump White House. Um I think everyone is trying to find their bearings and sort of figure yeah. out how to talk about these stories, how to cover them uh, in some sort of thoughtful way. I mean, even I think even even us in having the conversation or or sort of feeling this out together uh, a little bit which is uh, not unsurprising uh, the the actual predictions that were happening uh, about what trump 's America might look like uh, i I think we 've fallen a little short uh, of the the worst doomsday scenario that was painted like it, i think we 're already be supposed patient. to be eating one another <laughs> be this patient. is day this is day seven um, but it but it could get pretty bad and there are there are in fact plenty of very ugly um scary policy proposals coming out of the Trump White House. Um, there are also potentially some silver linings um, where you might actually score some reform. Um, I suspect uh, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb. Um, yes, it is true that there are plenty of Republicans who have sort of switched sides, fiscal conservatives who ain't so fiscally conservative at this point. Um, but the. The fact is, the more unpopular he becomes, the less the less easy it will be for him to hold together um, the sort of loose confederation of, of conservative allies that he has that are supposed to help him pass legislation. And granted, he's he doesn't ha- he has had to pass much just yet. Um, but I suspect that the opposition forces will, in fact, get quite a bit stronger. Um, so it will stay loud and it will stay. Noisy. What are we predicting,
0: by right. the way, from this uh, avalanche of executive orders? Um Trump is going to get into the habit of this and he likes ruling by decree. I mean, he I think, think we're going power. to see a lot of lawsuits. I think we're going to see a lot hell of lawsuits. Of lot of but of do lawsuits. you think that, I mean, this is going to kind of taper out and we're going to be you know, I mean, going to taper
2: out and he's going to focus on the two big deals, which is Obamacare repeal replace, which now Rand Paul is writing um, like on one hand, Rand Paul is the guy saying, don't even think about reinstituting torture and I will oppose you at every step. Yeah. And on the other hand, he's writing the replacement and yeah. proposed it yesterday of Obamacare, yeah. which is very interesting. And some of that replacement looks really good to me.
1: Do you really think that he'll just focus on one thing? Cause my, my he's expectation not. is no, no, I mean but at like some point
2: Trump, like yeah. he's got two big, big pieces moving right now. One is Obamacare repeal replace, which is a huge, huge thing. I mean, Obamacare itself was very huge. And then the other is this combination border tax, corporate tax reform package that's going to happen. That is where the conflict I think is going to come more strongly on the Republican side, yeah. because they don't agree with him. Yeah, but that's so exactly. They're the, trying see, to push see that's
0: there. that's something that everyone has to remember. And I talk to people about this who are smart people, but they're, they you know, he can drive a freight train through the, the federal government because he controls all branches of government. Here's the thing that everyone has to remember is that Republicans and Democrats, it's like, it's not a score in a football game. If you have X number of people in the House, X number of people in the Senate, especially if you have somebody who's a visive as Donald Trump, and when I was with with uh, the Adam kinsinger the representative from Sixteenth uh, District in Illinois, um, you know it's pretty clear when you talk to these people and you talk to them about their colleagues is that they're not just going to allow this stuff to happen. So it's not a rubber stamp because Republicans control. I mean, it's not filibuster proof, but they don't control uh, uh, both houses of Congress. So therefore, everything gets done. Realize also that I think some of the greatest and most pitched battles will be with his own party, and yep. you know, and, and you know, McCain uh, the other day. Uh, talking about torture. McCain, a great actual uh, 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 back and forth with him and Anderson Cooper, when uh, Donald Trump said, you know, we're going to go and take the oil, we're going to take the oil from, uh, from." Uh, and uh, uh, Cooper asked McCain if he could do that. And there was an incredible moment where he just sat there silently kind of chuckling and didn't say anything. He's like, no. And it was like a long, it was a really good, it was really well played. And, and you know, it's a funny thing about the the confusions and contradictions of Donald Trump who said, you know, because we didn't take the oil." This is actually true. He said this the other day. Uh We now have ISIS, who he has previously blamed the creation on Barack Obama, who apparently didn't take the oil in 2003 when he was in Chicago. Yeah. So I don't... And by take take the oil, what
1: what Donald Trump means is surround... Either... You send in some massive tanker truck, like the largest tanker truck ever, and just so suck it off the out Death the ground? Star, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Suck all of the yeah. oil out of the ground, yeah. or you surround it with American troops so that people can take shots at them
0: all day long. So this is what I was thinking <laughs> the other day when brilliant. he says this, and he says <laughs> it to David Muir or somebody the other day. Is that why is there not a a journalist that's clever enough to when they're when they're um, in, you know interrogating him? And I think they chose David Muir because they thought he was a lightweight, and you know he did a decent job at it. But why doesn't anyone say? <laughs> (laughs) You oppose Iraq, the Iraq War, because of the blood and the treasure. Do you support the spilling of blood in the expenditure of our treasure? If we get those oil wells, because if you get those oil wells, as Camille says, you have to make sure that you keep those oil wells, which means an enormous presence of American ground troops. So you don't oppose the Iraq war. Right. That's not an opposition to the Iraq war. It's an opposition to what we did after we took Baghdad, Baghdad, which was screw
1: everything up. It's the it's the kabuki theater of Mm -hmm. those like uh, White House um, White House interviews where you're sitting with the president and he's sort of walking you through the Oval Office and you're having this shit show nonsense conversation about all the wonderful things that have happened in the room Um, and then you actually have the interview and he sort of starts to talk over you while you're asking questions like patiently waiting for him to give his bullshit response Um, and then jujitsu in his ass. I don't. I don't understand why that kind of stuff doesn't happen more
0: frequently. You're not going to get more of that too, because I mean, you talk about we're going to open up some Skype, uh, some Skype slots in uh, in the in the press briefing room, and we're going to widen it so more people can come. That's like Gateway pundit and yeah. like Breitbart. I mean, they are every president does it. They're going to get more friendly press, and they're going to try to. But in fairness, very democratic. Even, even even though it's democratic, but even though. Um, you know, the New York Times is clearly not opposed to the Obama administration in any way. You still got was not was not uh, <laughs> uh, opposed to the Obama mission in any way. You still got good journalists that did take shots. What he wants to replace that with is not sympathetic journalists that will be occasionally adversarial because it's good for selling papers, and they want conservatives to click on their links if they have a good story, right? They want Josh Rogan's stories that, you know, might kind of shade towards the right or something. They want to hire people like Dave Weigel at the Washington Post because they thought he was like a right-wing guy at first. It's actually true. But the people like Breitbart don't. They don't want any of that. They want uh, to just kind of echo the president and come up with excuses and find pupils and pew studies. They want to be weaponized nothing.
2: against the media and and uh, and— I just want to point out, we've been saying Breitbart a lot here. Uh, Michael and I were both friends with Andrew, who died uh, five years ago or so. Um, and it's unclear to me, and it's probably unclear to you, too, where he would be right now. Um, In so the White House. It's bright. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not—I it's not, mean, Greg Gutfeld certainly thinks that he probably would not be. But Andrew was an oppositional character, and maybe he would see it as, like— finally we can take it to the uh, the press and the popular culture who i despise because they're so did you read
0: the bannon interview it was late tonight that that the the times no i didn't read but if you read the interview you will hear echoes of andrew in every sentence and i liked andrew personally i did not like andrew's tactics right i thought andrew could care less about facts a lot of times he played fast and loose with a lot of facts um but i i that kind of he loved the battle Yes. and he always it struck me that he always kind of framed it in a way from the outside. I don't know what somebody like that would do if they were allowed on the inside. Yeah. Um, and that's a That's a, unclear to me if he would. Because, you know, when you're when you're the king, it, it becomes boring. Right. I mean, Andrew liked to not be the king. He liked yeah. to, to to be the one kicking sand in people's eyes. But that's how they're doing. They're acting. Like, they lost. I mean, they're asking for an investigation into a fucking election they won. I mean, think about this.
2: It's amazing. It's amazing. You're right. It's You're because right. they're true believers. It's, it's true because believers. they're true believers. Crazy. Which, anyway. which,
1: is, which is actually the reason, and we may not remember how we got here, but it's the reason I asked about the emoluments clause and whether or not we were afraid of corruption, because it's it's not actually the corruption that I'm so terrified about. If he was just trying to line his pockets and get sweetheart deals, that'd be one thing. It is actually the dangerously stupid policy that... Really, really has me concerned. And I I have no idea whether or not he is actually taking advantage of the office in order to enrich himself. I presume it's true because it is true of absolutely everyone who's ever occupied the office, just in a less direct, explicit way, because they didn't have sort of jobs when they got there or assets they could could very quickly put all their shit into a blind trust because they only had a 401k before they got there so good for them but but I mean remember this
0: I I could too there's not I can't I was thinking this the other day I don't think Donald Trump has ever aligned himself or said anything that is even vaguely libertarian I can't think of one thing.
2: Yeah, I can. Uh, Oh, he said things. He he hated the drug war at one point When he spoke at Freedom Fest, (laughs) the one and only time I saw him speak uh, speak in person at Freedom Fest in July uh, 2015, he said at the outset, because he knew it's it's, it's a Libertarian conference. He's like, I love Libertarians. (laughs) (laughs) I play golf with Rand Paul. He's a nice guy. Anyways, and this, so that was that it. Was it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's also with yeah. Rand Paul. Yeah, no, Paul me- Paul. no
0: mention of uh, the uh, liberty, freedom, et cetera, in the inaugural address. No, no, surprising. Uh, so. Some idiot wrote this. You guys got anything? Uh, Some idiot governed this is the new segment, and it's uh, in D.C. right now. And it's a 20 percent tariff (laughs) on goods coming in from Mexico. You dumb, dumb, dumb motherfucker.
2: Uh, Some idiot wrote this A guy named Matt Welch deserves a little bit. Wow. So Trump had a bunch of executive orders yesterday about immigration. Uh, And I'm sitting there and writing some stuff up about the refugees and things. And then I passed through an L.A. Times article. The L.A. Times article at the bottom of it says, uh, in addition to the other stuff, it is going to involve creating new restrictions on visitors from some of America's closest allies. It would suspend the visa waiver program widely used by citizens from 38 countries, including most of Europe, etc., which grants citizens of these countries a 90-day tourist visa. Suspend the visa waiver program. I'm like, oh my God, forget what I was working on. Donald Trump is going to suspend the visa waiver program. 22 million people a year come to America on the visa waiver program. They spend $80 billion a year. He's changing that, according to the LA Times, to uh, you have to come in for an interview. I'm like, oh, my God, this is huge. I write this whole thing up. I publish this whole thing. I even see the draft memo on which it is based. And I look at it. I'm like, yep, see, that shows it, even though there's this new word in there. It's a Visa Waiver interview program. But anyways, that's probably just a technicality. I hit publish. <laughs> mm. Turns out the Visa Waiver interview program is totally different from the Visa Waiver Program and thank God for people on Twitter and in the comment section who said, "Bro, you got out over your skis here." Uh, visa waiver interview program is what people do to get mostly from India to. Uh, they've already had a visa. They it, it's a waiver from having them to come in and interview to get the thing renewed. It affects not twenty two million people. It affects a very small number of people who are pissed off. To be sure, sure. No, it sucks if it's you, but for a few minutes there. I got it wrong because I've been following the erosion of the visa waiver program. This sounded very plausible. The people who were arguing with me on Twitter, like, what's the problem with that? That makes total sense. Why wouldn't we do that as a way to make sure that the bad terrorists from France don't come in there? I would predict that maybe something like that will happen, but I got it wrong. And it's a cautionary tale to everyone who wants to believe everything bad about Trump, even though, They probably should.
1: Well, parting shot for me uh, goes to uh, Barack uh, Hussein Obama, uh, last president guy of the United States. Um, The the night before the inauguration, we get this uh, this publication coming out of uh, coming out of the intelligence community. And they are they're telling us how many drone strikes there were uh, in uh, 2016, uh, as well as the number of civilian casualties. Um, And the the report was remarkable. You can go read the entire thing. It is less than two pages. The, the standout highlight um, is that for all of the attacks, um, there was only one civilian casualty. Oh, wow. That we're is just good at this, incredibly we? efficient. Yeah. Incredibly effective. How yeah. many and, like, attacks were there? And completely like- a lie.
2: 12 or uh, no, 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 or... I think
1: it was, uh, I think it was 400 or something like that. <coughs> uh, I'd have to actually go Google it to, to tell you civilian, one, one civilian casualty. Um, one, now, this isn't the first time that the Obama administration um, or people associated with the Obama administration have misrepresented the number of civilian casualties. In fact, it, it was kind of the thing that they do, uh, because as I've pointed out on a number of occasions, they, um, well, routinely. Um, it, well, depends on the reporting because we don't actually know a great deal about this. Uh, but if you are interested in, in this topic, um, there is a great book uh, by the Drone Papers is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. It's um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name now.
0: I know who you're talking about. I know the book you're
1: talking about. Yeah. Uh, Jamal, Jam- Jamil Jaffers. Yeah. yeah yes. From ACLU. Uh, book. Yes. You should totally get it. Um, It is a light and quick read uh, that will completely infuriate you. Um, but it is also thoughtful and sane and, uh, and well-balanced, but it, it doesn't just, infuriate it many funny.
0: people though, because there's been a, a very big outcry about, allowing uh, or stopping um, people from coming to the country from Yemen. But uh, there's been no outcry for, uh, you know, allowing the Saudis to bomb the shit out of Yemen. Nobody cares about that. Well, but, no, it's it's, but, but, um, it's it's helpful. I mean, it's all but, it's uh, all helpful. But but in, in either
1: case, it was just it it is not funny. Um, But it is sort of astonishing that this dispatch comes out of the administration on the last possible at the last possible moment um, on the last possible evening. Another dispatch that came out of the administration um, actually pertained to that debate that you had last week. Uh, And one of the the bright, shining moments uh, for the Obama administration, according to your uh, your opponent, Mr. Chait, was that the Obama administration had done these. Really amazing educational achievement grants that were Rich apparently yeah. super duper effective. Um, except one of the reports that comes out
0: suggests they were not so super duper effective uh, at least not yet and also at the end of days of course he frees uh oscar lopez the faln terrorist and uh gives what 400 million dollars to the palestinian authority uh and the, the, like the, the night before he leaves basically of saying and nobody would accept this because the pa has done almost nothing to advance the cause of peace in the middle east and they did this uh uh, the night before. But, you know, I say that not uh, from a political position about the Israel Palestine conflict, but just it's a little kind of dubious to do that on your uh, last days in office. So,
2: anyway. I now forgot to tell you that uh, Angela Davis also mentioned uh, Oscar Lopez. Of course.
0: Of course he did. Yeah, of course. Good. Guy. I'm going to be there to greet him when he uh, comes out. And I'm going to Richard Spencer his ass. <laughs> But is he seventy something years. I, probably, I could break his jaw pretty pretty easily. Probably pretty porous <laughs> bones being in prison for that long. I
2: think that we should end on a note of threatened violence from Michael C. Moynihan. I think that's yep. uh, appropriate.
0: Well, yeah. be, well threatened, th- threatened violence is the, is the violence is the only language. Uh, he speaks and uh, he was let out of prison, never having renounced violence, and he refused. Uh, Bill Clinton tried to get him out of prison in 1999 with all the other F.A.L.N. scumbags, and he didn't go. Uh, one of the stated reasons was because he refused to uh, renounce the uh, the violence of uh, that he was a proponent of, of trying to get a independent puerto rico which goes to a vote uh, all the time and the last vote i believe is in 2012 and five percent of the people voted for independence so thanks oscar uh go back and uh, do some community organizing <laughs> in uh, san juan and you're gonna get nothing dirtbag uh, we're we're gonna get a, a Black Panther
1: or, or someone to come in here and, and set you straight and explain all of the things to you that you don't know about their their genuine mo- motivations uh, for giving the free for free breakfast and, and all that to other people in between killing. Yeah, because you're just you killing not you're not fair to killing people. people in their own organization. <laughs> um, speaking of not fair, I was I was kidding when I said 553 drone strikes, 431 to 441 enemy combatants killed, um, and one non-combatant death. Uh, those are the official numbers. Summary Did the intercept about that? We're good, man. Um, I'm. I'm sure someone else did sure. yeah yeah almost about in a thousand yeah. so That's great good for you barack obama yeah. uh and uh welcome aboard president trump this will be uh, an interesting ride gentlemen thank you people bye. We'll see you next time bye
0: we know of new methods of attack the trojan horse the fifth column